Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Well, today on our podcast episode, I have someone who's become a friend. Her name is Mary Valoni. We met at a conference, and she is actually a professional fundraiser. I did not know these people even existed <laughs> until I met Mary. And then it's like, well, I guess it makes sense because there are so many big organizations that raise millions of dollars. And so, of course, there are going to be people to help them do that. Most of us are not raising millions of dollars though. And yes. so Mary left that big corporate fundraising world. I mean, it is nonprofit, but it, it is a big business. And she left that world to help little people like you and me, to missionaries and people who are raising funds for causes that are dear to their hearts and taking her knowledge and helping us. So Mary, thank you very much for being on here with me today and sharing some of your knowledge with our listeners. Absolutely. Well, I love it. And you are absolutely a dear friend. I know that there's always that line where you're like, man, you, you're awesome people. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, just, I just love that we get to do this. And um, yeah, if I can help any of your listeners, I'm, I'm excited to do that. Yep. And Mary has been in the Hope Mobile. <laughs> she yes, had I, me on I, her podcast. <laughs> yes, and I got to see uh, my heart go up on the Heart Mobile in mm-hmm. um, memory of my dad. And so... Yeah. It was fun. Yes. And Laura's been a guest on, on my show as well. So yeah. Uh, and your and dad I, is front and center leading the way for us. I know. I picked like right underneath the, yes. the windshield wipers. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Mary and I could visit all day, which we know, do we sometimes. Could. We have to cut things off, but <laughs> we're going to go ahead and get to uh, the purpose of why she's here to talk with you today. And Mary has something that is really fascinating to me. She calls it the six rookie mistakes. Now, I know a lot of you were just coming off of our series on how to help your child leave a legacy. And so we've been talking to a lot of parents who have been doing a whole gamut of things of ways that their child can live on in their legacy. And all of it involves charity. All of it involves raising money for a cause of some kind. And so that's why I brought Mary on to help us get a better handle on how do we raise these funds to make this really something that is just so beneficial for those we want to help in our child's name. So she has this thing called the six rookie mistakes. So Mary, I'm going to let you share with us what that is. Sure. Yeah. So like Laura had mentioned, I've been fundraising for, oh, it's been a long time. I, I worked for organizations like the American Cancer Society, the ALS Association, Association and uh, Special Olympics. And uh, about and I'll just years- interject. She has raised millions. So yes. I mean, she when I say she's a professional, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. And right now I'm, I'm working on a $17 million campaign and I've, you know, worked on a $100 million endowment. And so really large large scale fundraisers. But at the same time, I have also uh, really put a lot of attention on like what Laura said on missionaries and ministries and individuals who are trying to just raise money and uh, provide for their favorite causes. So it sounds like that is what many of you 
are doing, it's, it's hard not to want to jump in and help those that are helping, you know, doing good work. And we want to serve others um, because I know so many of us have been served as well. So, uh, so I put out, yeah, this, this information about just the rookie fundraising mistakes that are out there because it's just really easy to fall into these. And uh, I want to give you guys just a few tips on how you can overcome asking and getting people involved in the work that you're doing. So, uh, so one of them, the, the first one that I share is just about refusing to ask for funds. So the, the word rookie spells out uh, all the, the words that we're gonna be sharing here, but refusing, refusing to ask for donations. And I think that this is where we, we kind of just beat around the bush on the content and the, just what we wanna, we wanna tell people, how, why we even sat down with them to ask them to be a part of something and I know Laura you and I have talked about this in the past and how when you're first getting started raising funds it does feel a little bit awkward to ask somebody to give you money because it's like okay money is for some people the, their most valuable asset is that mm -hmm. the cash in the bank is something that they don't want to give away and I want to remind everybody that money is actually not that big of a deal. <laughs> you know, that, that money is, you know, when you care about somebody, money is the, the least exciting thing about them, right? Your family members, your friends, like you're not friends with them because they have a lot of money. You're not, your family members are not special to you because of their money. Right. And the same goes for all these people that are out there. If they want to be a part of the work that you're doing, just invite them in and ask them to, to donate. I like to, use just a really easy way when I'm having a conversation with somebody about money. And it is just this, when you see that you connect, when you see that you like the same things, that they're showing an interest, they're leaning in on the conversation. I don't ever leave a conversation without saying, we'd love for you to be a part of it. We'd love to invite you to be a part of this. Here are some ways that people support the work that we do. And then I give them the money option. I give them the volunteer option. Maybe it's, you know, for some people it might be prayer, but I always want to tell people whatever you can do, we want to invite you in at that level. And so, and then use some examples. Some people give us a hundred dollars a month. Some people, you know, have opened up their doors to us. They've fed us. They've prayed for us. They've, you know, like there's just a wide variety of ways that people can give and it doesn't have to be money, but money is one of those things that you have to be very clear and to the point and let them know that finances are something that is really important to the work that we do. So don't yeah, refuse. And yeah. And that's one thing that you work with me a lot on, especially at the beginning, because I, I don't know, you just feel you really have to get over that. And sometimes I, I do still struggle with that. But if you really believe in what you're doing, why wouldn't you want people to be involved in it or give them the opportunity? If you, I, I've heard you say so often, if you like a good restaurant, you recommend it, yes. <laughs> you know, exactly. and if you really believe, I mean, it's just, it really is that simple. We complicate it and we get all flustered and, oh, you know, I don't know if they're going to want to do this. And it's like, just ask. Right. Just ask. Exactly. Just tell them what you're doing is really important and really good and ask if they want, you know, recommend it. Yeah. Well, and jumping into the next part of the rookies, the second one is actually the opposite of refusing to ask and it's over asking mm -hmm. because there's also some people who are like, they ask everybody to be a part of it. And that is, I also want to tell people that it's like, there's this fine line between like, is this somebody who's really interested in the work that you're doing or is it just they're a warm body and you're just going to ask 
everybody. Mm -hmm. So I want to caution people on don't over ask either because that it's, it's just like dating. I use the example of dating or being in a relationship with somebody. Sometimes you just, you know, okay, we click like you, you Mm -hmm. and I, Laura, like when Mm -hmm. we met, it was like, yep, (laughs) yep, yep. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so it doesn't. It, it's not awkward. It's not uncomfortable to say like, "We want you to be a part of this, and we're we're doing some crazy things, and it's going to be a fun journey, and we want you to be in it." You know. And the same thing for me. It hasn't been hard for me to say, "Laura, I'm here to help you. I'm mm-hmm. here to help you." But <laughs> but along the way, people, you know, they over ask, they over ask, and that just you start to burn bridges where you know it's not even about the person anymore. It's just well, I think we dollar. can all think about someone that we almost. It's like, oh, here comes so-and-so because we know what the conversation is going to be. We know what they're going to talk about. We, and it's something we're not interested in. It could be a football team. I mean, it could be anything, but we yeah. don't want to be that kind of a person where every time someone sees us coming or gets an email or hears from us, it's like, oh, are they going to ask for money again? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And I think that that's where we have to read our, you know, the person who's across the table from us. And when I mention like the dating relationship, I often tell people that, okay, just as an example, if I'm sitting on the side of the road, my car's broken down, uh, you know, I pick up the phone, I call my husband. He loves me. (laughs) He (laughs) he clearly has spent a lot of time with me in the last 20 years. (laughs) So, but what is he going to do? What kind of response is he going to have when I say I'm stuck on the side of the road? you know, he's going to say, I'm coming for right. you. Drop Stay everything there. and come. Mm-hmm. I'm sending a tow truck. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, send, somebody else is coming. You're mm-hmm. going to be okay. And, and that's what I think that we forget is that when you build a relationship with somebody like, a, you know, whether that's family or friends, they are not going to leave you stuck on the side of the road. They're going to come take care of you. So I have to remind people that it's like, you know, you're wanting to build those long-term relationships with people who really care and then really push aside. Like if somebody's not interested in the work you're doing, that's okay. There's plenty mm-hmm. of other things that they can be a part of. So that's where I'm like the, the making sure that we're really clear about how we ask and, and, and making sure that we don't refuse to do it, but we also don't over ask. So, mm-hmm. um, so number three, jumping into the next one is oversharing. So this is, I see this so often, especially in the larger organizations I work with, because like sometimes you work with a lot of staff and, you know, there's some personalities that work well together and others that don't. So I think that we forget that our volunteers and the people that are a part of our organizations are just that, they're volunteers. And we blur the line sometimes between friendship and, you know, family and just, and I, I just want to encourage people to not overshare with the people that are, you know, maybe they're donors and that, because there's always drama. There's always <laughs> drama that's going on. And it's, it's really important that you protect your donor base from having to hear so much about maybe the highs and lows of the organization. Now, this is a different conversation if it's a board member, if it's, you know, people that are really engaged at a higher level in your organization. It's not so much about drama. It's about like, they need to know really what's going on. Here's the challenges. Here are the opportunities. That's different. I'm talking about like, oh my goodness, so-and-so's at it again. And like rolling your (laughs) eyes and like, you know, just this, this internal, you know, drama, like protect your people at all costs and no reason for that. And I'm sure there's many people who are listening who are volunteers themselves and they've gotten pulled into those conversations. And it's like, why is this person telling me about this? Mm -hmm. Like, this is none of my business. I shouldn't shouldn't know about this. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so just something to think 
think about as you're you're um, engaged in these organizations. So, and then the K for rookie is all about like killing new ideas. You know, if you want to increase funds for your organization, the work that you do, the worst thing you can do is kill an idea. Mm. And sometimes you, the more you get involved in something, it's easy to be like, well, we tried that. It didn't work. You know, oh, been there, done that. And it didn't work. Mm. And so I want to encourage you guys to embrace new ideas, even if they're new old ideas that somebody else has brought up in the past. Don't kill an idea because what you're actually doing is like, you're just basically saying, yeah, we don't really care about what you think. Like we're telling somebody that their ideas don't matter that, and, and we internalize that so much when somebody doesn't give us the time of day or they don't acknowledge our contribution to the organization. So it's just easy for us to shut them down. Now, if it's an idea that's like actually pretty terrible, <laughs> like it's it does really happen. not a great idea. <laughs> I, I'd like to encourage people to just sandwich the idea. So it's more like, thank you so much. Like uh, the reason why we haven't done that and then just give them some background information. The reason why we haven't done that is because of these three, you know, this, this situation that has happened. And I have had plenty of people who are like, Oh my gosh, why don't we do that bake sale? Okay. I'm just using an example. Uh-huh. And, and in my mind, I'm like, why would we do a bake sale? <laughs> you know how much work that is? You know how much work goes into putting on a bake sale? Like just go get some people who will give you some money. And like, we don't have to sit outside of some store selling baked goods, you know, but instead of saying, no, <laughs> like, no, we're not doing a bake sale. That's a dumb idea. You know, instead, like, thank you so much. Like, have you been a part of other, you know, bake sales that have been successful? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you thinking? And I'm just going to dig in a little bit further to find out what are your thoughts around that? And then, and then let them know, gosh, we are, we have such limited volunteer time. And you know, I'm like, for you, you're on the road Mm -hmm. a lot. So to be able to sit for a couple hours outside of a grocery store with a bucket, you know, collecting money, that may not be the most efficient way for your organization to move forward. But on the other hand, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, what if someone does have an idea like that and you find out, oh my goodness, I have done so many bake sales and I have like 20 women that love to bake for my bake sales and I'll do it. And it's like, great. (laughs) You know, I I mean, you may find that just saying, no, we're not doing bake sales. You could have just said no to 200 to $500 from someone who that they love doing it. Yes. Agreed. And that's exactly it. I actually had an example where uh, somebody wanted to donate a quilt to our organization. And it was a beautiful quilt, but in general, I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. who's going to want this quilt? You know, like, I mean, cause in my mind, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who would actually pay for that. Mm -hmm. And, but what they did was they got all their quilting ladies together and they did a raffle for that quilt and they raised all this money for our cause. Mm. And it was beautiful, you know, but like in my mind, I'm like, I don't know any quilter. Like, I don't know who would want that, Mm -hmm. but they did. And so like, just by, Hey, let's talk this out. What are you thinking? What are some ideas that you might have? How could we turn this into funds? But you just said it there, Laura, that, you know, sometimes people are just like, I'll do it and I'll send the check in. Mm -hmm. Great. Yes. I'm not doing the work. They feel really good about it. It's it's a warm and fuzzy for them. Maybe they're like an exceptionally great chef. And now I'm like, okay, a big yeah, sale for right. you is not a big sale for it. Like, you know, we're talking about uh-huh. different things, but yeah, exactly. I think that that's where we have to remind ourselves that just because we think it, it's going down a certain path doesn't mean that that's actually what they were thinking of. Or so, even if we've yeah. tried it before, they may have a new angle that 
would totally change everything. Absolutely. And, and there are, has been so many times where we've done a fundraiser where like it just failed miserably, right? Like it didn't go well. And so then it, it just burned uh, like a internal trauma inside of some <laughs> staff, you know? And so then whenever somebody brings it up, it immediately triggers this, oh shoot, like I'm not going down that path again. <laughs> and I can see that with a lot of people where they're like, I will never do that kind of fundraiser again. But it really wasn't the fundraiser. It was just the experience. That's and true. so, yeah, so that's just something we want and it's, to, and it's sure. good to hear that professional fundraisers have fundraisers that bomb yeah. <laughs> everyone exactly. it happens. Right. And, and it's not even because, you know, it, it might've been the fact that I, I've done fundraisers like during the middle of the recession and, you know, other times where it's just like, oh my gosh, of course this landed right during this time mm, when, mm -hmm. and then a trauma happened or a natural disaster hit or mm -hmm. like you just, you know, there's all sorts of factors on whether something's going to be considered successful or not. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So then um, jumping on to the next one is, uh, is the eye of rookie, which is ignoring your donors. And I see this so often where it's like you work so hard raising money and then it's the donation comes in and then you cash the donation, have a little victory dance and you never really communicate with those donors. What kind of impact did we make? What kind of difference did we make? And so we, we have a tendency to ignore our donors instead of getting them engaged. So this is where, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, Laura, but plenty of times for me where it's, I've made a donation. It's one thing if I'm making like a, you know, throw a bucket, a bucket, right. you know, or I gave a couple dollars to this mm -hmm. event or that. Like I'm not expecting anything in, in exchange for that. But for those kinds of events or those, you know, maybe somebody is giving $50 a month to your ministry or to your organization, that is somebody that's consistently giving every single month. Mm -hmm. So communication with them and celebration with them is so important. Important. And I think it's a rookie move to take somebody's money and run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, you know, in the end, they're not going to come back again. Right. And, and I'm, I'm sure that all of our listeners, whatever they're doing is like a yearly event or something that is continual and ongoing. You're not just raising one time for one thing. It could be a scholarship. I mean, whatever it is. And yeah, you want to make sure that you treat your donors in a way that they know they're appreciated so that when it comes around again next year, of course I'll give again. Yep, exactly. And I, I want to get back to the fact that relationships are more than just that one-off gift. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we forget that somebody may have an inheritance or they may have a property that they're trying to sell or, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen in the years and, you know, months and years or decades to come to where if you build, build a solid relationship, that's going to go so much further. So yes. just something yeah. to think about. So, all right. Okay. Last one of the rookie is the E and I use the word egocentric, <laughs> egocentric. <laughs> it is so easy to communicate with people about how awesome your cause is and how great things are, you know, that you're just the most amazing thing ever. And we forget that a lot of times these relationships, I mean, they're, they're win-win, they're give and take. That's what makes really good relationships is you bounce back and forth. And I think I used an example in a previous podcast just about, I was sitting, uh, I met with, uh, with an organization, a leader of another nonprofit, and we were sitting down at a table together and she talked about her cause nonstop without 
like even letting in a breath to allow somebody else to, to respond or to, to share ideas. And by the time I walked out of the meeting, I just was like, that <laughs> was, was the worst experience I've had. And her cause was amazing. I had volunteered. I had been a part of it in the past and they were really great people. But I was like, that was the worst lunch meeting I've ever mm. had because she just vomited a bunch of information mm. on me about how great her cause was and didn't once ask about me or our involvement or what we'd like to do. How do we like to give? How do we like to be a part of stuff in the community? So I think that that's just a reminder that although we love the work that we're doing, it's really important to just ask questions and listen. So the more that we can communicate just in a, in a way that's really authentic and just give and take, you're going to see so much more progress happening because you'll hear things about, mm -hmm. oh, you guys support that or you care about that. Well, then here's an opportunity that maybe you could be a part of the work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so then it leads you into the conversation versus you, yeah, just dumping a bunch of information on them. So. Yeah. And I, I listened to, you have a podcast on this, these six rookie mistakes, which I listened to actually yesterday. Ah. <laughs> and I wrote myself a couple notes on, on this e, ego thing. What I have down here is there has to be a compelling reason for others to give because there has to be something in it for them. I mean, we have to feel good about what we're doing. We're all selfish people, <laughs> whether we try to be or not. Yeah. We give because it makes us feel good. Yep. We give because we feel like we're helping someone else in our giving. And so if we don't give people an opportunity to feel that way or to see it from their own perspective... Uh, we're trying to force our perspective of the organization on why this is a good cause on them without allowing them to have their own perspective of why would I want to give to this? Yes. Yeah, so true. And that's where I think that we, we just missed the boat a little bit <laughs> that, you know, none of us had to have our arm twisted to do the volunteer work or the, the giving that we do. Right. Usually when it is like, when it feels really good, it feels like I saw a need and I knew I could fulfill it. Mm -hmm. And so whether that was your time your, or your money or resources that you had access to, you were, you were trying to figure out what can I do and how can I be a part of that? And so, so we want to, yeah, that's why I, at the beginning of our conversation, I just mentioned, you know, the fact that I want to always invite somebody to be a part of it. So mm -hmm. it's, it can be their idea. You know, right, that right. Is, I'm not saying if you only give me, you know, $50 a month, or if you only write me a hundred dollar check, like that is all I need is a hundred dollar check. And then we'll be out the door and we won't ever have to talk again. Like that doesn't even make any <laughs> sense, you know, mm -hmm. but instead, if you keep the conversation quite open and just say, what do you care about? What is, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you enjoy doing? And you know, we'd love to have you involved in what we're doing. So, and you may and miss out on a connection. I mean, they may have someone that they're thinking of, oh my goodness, so-and-so needs to hear about this. They would love to get in on this. And we're so busy talking about ourselves and our part in the organization that we don't open the door for them to share how they could help in ways that we're not even thinking of. 
Exactly. And we have to be specific about what we want, you know, that we're looking for people to help. But I just, I, especially in that initial conversation, when we're talking to somebody about, uh, you know, they just come to the top of your mind and you're like, oh, I need to reach out to so-and-so. I think that they'd really love to be a part of this. The reason why that person popped in your mind is because somewhere along the line, you think that their values align with the same values of the cause. Mm-hmm. And so it yes. makes sense for you to have a conversation like, Laura, you and I have talked many times that it's like, okay, who is going to care the most about grieving parents? Right. Grieving parents. Yes. Parents, mm-hmm. grieving parents, and then friends of grieving parents right. yes. or, you know, connections of, you know, mm-hmm. anybody who's, who's seen that just the, the, you know, just the trauma and everything that goes with it. Well, who's going to care the most. And so it doesn't make any sense to like keep beating on the doors of people who just don't get it. (laughs) Right. You know, like you've shared so many times where people have said Mm -hmm. really disrespectful things to you. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. they don't get it. And so in the back of your mind, you're just going to be like, they're not for us. They're not my people. (laughs) Not, not your people. Exactly. I always like, I, you know, kind of blows my mind because I do the same thing with my business is sometimes I'm like, oh, well, these people might be interested. And so then I kind of walk down that path and I try and knock on that door and the door just doesn't open. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, get the hint. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> they're not, These people are mm-hmm. not for us. But right. I, I think sometimes there's, there's those opportunities that come and you just meet somebody out of the blue and here's somebody you don't know anything about. And then all of a sudden you get into these conversations and you're like, hey, I don't know. We don't know you that well, but I just mm-hmm. know like you're right, awesome right. and you can be a part of what we're doing. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. right. so just make it really simple and easy for people to get engaged. And I think that that's something for all of you guys to be thinking about is, are we making the process easy for you to say yes? So Mary, one thing that is interesting to me is how, I mean, how do we know if we're doing some of these things? Do we like ask someone uh, how, I mean, how do we know that we're not making some of these rookie mistakes? Yeah. I think that a lot of it is self-reflection, you know, like, and being able to sit back and say, okay, why, why didn't that, that work out? Mm-hmm. Or why did I, you know, sit in that meeting or have a conversation with somebody and it didn't go anywhere? You know, that's usually when you can start to find out, like if we're, we're trying to knock on the door and it's just not opening, like that's where you have to take a good look in the mirror and be like, how are we, how am I explaining this to people? Mm-hmm. And I do encourage people to kind of go through some mock conversations with, you know, with others just to say, Hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you about this and just get your feedback on what you think. But the only thing is, is that when you do that, sometimes you don't act naturally. Mm, and so right. it doesn't always come across well. So I think that a lot of times it's just taking a good look at your process and how you're, you're engaging people. I think a lot of us know how we come across you know, some of us are more Mm -hmm. aggressive than others. Some of us are more timid and, you know, oh gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to ask anybody for anything, you know? So I think sometimes it's just understanding your skills and what you're gifted at. I know that I know as, as someone who asks people for money, I'm not afraid to ask people for money. Now I've been in circumstances where I've had to like bite my tongue because I caught myself like wanting to tell them about some sort of drama that was happening. Mm. And it was like, I, it was almost like in the moment where I like had this experience where I was like, not their, not their problem, none of their business. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, mm-hmm. and it is, it's like, you want people to console you and to understand what you're going through. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, is this their place to know those things? Like, mm-hmm. and if I have an issue with somebody else on the staff, or if I have an issue with another volunteer, 
is it really that important that I let everybody know that we don't get along or that we have issues? Like go work that stuff out. And maybe, you know, sometimes people have to remove themselves from circumstances. And, and another just... word for that can be gossip. I know. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> it, is. It, it is. That's exactly mm. what it is. It's gossip. But I think sometimes people share that information because they think that the other person is going to console them. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where you just have to identify, you know, there may be one or two people that are like, these are my go-to people that are going right, to like, right. let me just vent and share what's going on. But if it's your volunteers or if it's the people that are, you know, giving to your organization, it's easy for them to be like, well, you guys are a hot mess. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. so I never yeah. want anything that I'm saying to like hinder somebody from getting more involved or to and think. And I, like I think too, I just want to bring up as grieving parents, we can be a whole lot more sensitive to things like that. And the whole you know, my child has died, feel sorry for me. And so that's something that we really need to be careful of, I think even more so than a lot of people, because we're just so raw quite often in our emotions and what we've been through. So if you work with people, things are just going to get messy sometimes. There's going to be drama. It's kind of like that. I'm sure you've heard the the pastor who says, I'd love being in the, in the ministry if it weren't for the people. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. how I was with my nonprofit work too. <laughs> so so, I love people though. That's why I'm in it. <laughs> right, right. Yes, I know you do. But so. with, with people, yeah, with people always comes their their backgrounds and their history of whatever's going on. But I think you just, yeah, hit on something really important is that, you know, you have to be sensitive to the fact that not everybody's going to understand mm -hmm. what you've been through or understand the hurt that maybe somebody might have said to you. So it's just being being extra sensitive to uh, when what environment is is safe for those mm -hmm. kinds of conversations. Yeah. And and I know when you volunteer together and when you work towards a cause, those walls come down really easy. So, and that's awesome. That's why volunteering mm -hmm. is such a good thing and why, you know, starting and being a part of a ministry or organization is so good. Uh, so I don't want to like stop people from being authentic and having good conversations. But I think what I'm saying here is just, you know, it is gossip. It's the stuff that's going to uh, divide people and divide mm -hmm. an organization. That's where I, you know, and I've worked with some organizations where, I mean, the eye rolling was like, mm. gosh, just mm. why are, and, and people who are, you know, faith-based and, it's like, okay, we need to reconcile this relationship. Something <laughs> went wrong. Something has to happen here. And sometimes you can be that person who can, you know, fix, can come in and help be that middle person. But, but that's where I'm like, if there's some internal drama that's going on, sometimes it's like, okay, we either one have to nip this in the bud or two, we, we got to be done. That was in the past. We're mm -hmm. moving forward. Here's what we're doing. So yeah. yeah anyways, you really become like a family. I mean, the people that yeah. are working together for your cause, you are like a family. And so you are, like you said, the walls are going to come down. You're going to get close to each other. And just like a family, in most instances, unless you have someone who's really toxic in your family, you're not going to have someone toxic working with you. <laughs> so you need to overcome that, work it out, and let that strengthen the relationship and strengthen the organization by working through those things. Absolutely. Well, and when you start looking at larger organizations, when you get into that, you start getting like layers and, you know, you've got the national people, the local people that, mm. you know, so it's like, depending on how large your organization is, 
it's so easy to get an us versus them mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have to work really hard to be like, we're all in this together. We're all, we all have a different place and a different role to play here, but we're all collectively moving in the same direction. And those are the ones that really see the most success, especially when it comes to fundraising. So I just would encourage people, you know, to, to lock arms with you, you're volunteering, you're part of this, you're, you, you know, running an organization because you believe in the cause so much. So let's, let those things not take up our, our energy. I just can't, I can't tell you how many times people say, Oh my gosh, you know, like they just, that it's, but it's just people, you know, you're in Mm -hmm. a space with, with people who all bring their, their drama to the table. (laughs) Right. And we're exhausted enough with the grief. We don't need to, to take that on, just let it go. We just need to learn to let those things go. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward because your cause is worth it. What you're yeah. doing for your child is so worth it. Just keep pushing through and stay focused on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I share these rookie mistakes just because I'm like, until you start getting into it, you don't realize that you're, you are even doing it. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I teach a lot and you know, cause you've gone through my process, but I teach a process called fundraising freedom. And that process to me allows for us to engage people uh, and, and get them plugged into our organization so that everybody is in the right seat on the bus, mm-hmm. on the RV. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, so that people aren't, you know, like sometimes when you're, you're working on a team where there's people at just different levels and, you know, some people are, are care about this and some people care about that. The more that you can really get people in a synchronized, you know, in a space together, all working together in the same direction, that just, that helps so much. So I just believe strongly in building teams and being in teams that are, are very like-minded. So, cause mm-hmm. I think conflict sometimes comes in when it's like people just don't see the world the same way. And right. It's not bad. They just have different experiences. So, mm-hmm. so that's just something when you're when you're. And that's another team. reason why you don't want to try to guilt people into helping you, yes. because that's gonna that's gonna be groundwork for those kinds of drama. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then for anybody who's worked on a board or you know been on a board, it's that is has been so easy for that to happen because a lot of times when people are getting their five hundred one c three status, they are just trying to recruit some board members who will allow them to get their their status. Their tax that exemption. would be us at first, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's very common to just hey, will you sit on our board? You know, and then eventually you're like, oh shoot, like now we actually have to have board members that are mm-hmm. are really moving the mission forward. Yes. Even then, so then you're starting to rotate volunteers out, but then all of a sudden you get to a place too, where it's like, you just have to ask people to step away and to allow new people to come in. But I I find that that's where being really clear about expectations and what is it that we're looking for and just the season that you're asking somebody to volunteer for. Mm -hmm. Because I think that there are a lot of people that get very complacent. So they volunteered Mm -hmm. in that role or they've been a part of it for so long Mm -hmm. that it's like you know, the energy declines, it's not as fun anymore, you know, so all those things kind of creep in. So it's okay for people to come in for a season. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to encourage you, whether, you know, you feel like, oh, this, this is toxic, or I'm not feeling like this is, you know, fun anymore. It's, it's up to you to make those decisions, you know, Mm -hmm. and to have those conversations. But I just want everybody who's a part of the causes that I work for, I want them to love being there. Mm-hmm. And if something has gone awry, maybe it's in their personal life. Maybe it's something like, I, I just want to give people an opportunity to step away if they need to, or step up 
if they right. have more ideas and more like they just they have the skill set to move up in the organization i want to i want to pave the way for them to really step up and plan those that next fundraiser and yeah. and really excel so yeah. anyway yeah so what i'd like to do is wrap up this podcast on the six rookie mistakes and i want to mary and i will keep talking and this will be next week's episode but i want to get into you said something it made me think about how what we're doing is our baby. It's so hard to let other people in on it because we're afraid they're not going to do it right and they're, they're going to take it in a direction we don't want it to go and it's those kinds of things. And how do we get started? Okay, so I have this on my heart. I've been listening to all these podcasts. I have this idea that I want to do, but I don't know where to start. So how about if Mary and I keep talking? And first of all, before we end today, Mary, how can people connect with you? Sure. Yeah. The best way for somebody to connect with me is actually to jump on maryvaloney.com and start listening to my podcast. (laughs) So if you are a podcast listener, uh, I have 146 episodes Mm -hmm. that as of today that are live and you guys can start listening if you're interested in doing, you know, improving your fundraising and just understanding how you could do this a little bit better. But uh, I have, you know, that's a weekly podcast that you guys can listen to. The rookie mistakes that we talked about today is actually a free download on my website. So if you go to maryvaloney.com, you'll uh, have access to uh, getting this this document that we talked about today. So would love for you guys to, to jump on there. And then that way we can keep in touch and I can continue to help you through the process. Yes. So thanks, yes. Laura. Mary is that. very helpful. <laughs> so yeah, and she does have a book too. It's called Fundraising yeah. Freedom and I have a signed copy. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of good tips in there. And I'll say this book is if you're looking for especially growing an organization out of what you're doing, then this is a very helpful tool. So just letting you know that that's out there as well. Yeah. So Mary, and thank you. Yeah, book. go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that book is on Amazon and all major bookstores. So you guys can jump on and get that. But it is just walks you through an easy seven-step process. So I try and not make, the book is not a hard read. No, (laughs) it's not. And and just like the the rookie, R-O-O-K-I-E, freedom, there are the seven steps to freedom. And each each letter is one of those things that we can do to help get our organization going and further and stronger and all that good stuff. So, okay. Well, thanks for being with us today, Mary. I hope our listeners really got a lot out of this and I hope you join us next week as we continue this conversation and we'll get more into how do you get started with something uh, to start raising funds to help your child leave a legacy. Great. Thanks, Laura. Mm -hmm. I really hope there were a few good takeaways for you in this talk with Mary Valoni. I highly recommend plugging in to her Fundraising Freedom podcast as she's so good at encouraging people who are raising money for worthy causes, and she gives so much free advice and so many helpful tips there. I also recommend that you check out her book, Fundraising Freedom, and take a look at her website. And if your cause is one that maybe you're already raising thousands of dollars, or maybe you can just see that happening in the future, be sure to fill out the form on her website to set up a time to chat with Mary. Links to all of these are in the show notes if you weren't able to catch them while listening to the podcast. I want to turn a corner here and I want to ask you, how are you doing? Where are you in this grief journey? Would it be helpful to have someone you can trust who's ahead of you on this path, spend time with you, encouraging you and making your path a bit smoother as maybe they show you where to step? 
I would love to be that person. And right now, there's a short window of opportunity to be in a small group of people meeting with me online every week for eight weeks. Now, this is through the When Tragedy Strikes Hope and Healing course, which is based on my award-winning book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. And here is the best part. This window of opportunity to be personally coached by me is free right now when you enroll as a student in the full course if you're one of the first 12 to enroll. Normally, the full course with the coaching option is $497, but you can get in on it for only $97. There's only room for 10 more at this point as I'm recording this because there is a limit of 12 people in the group. Now, most of us, we don't need someone to analyze us or fix us after the death of our child. What we need is someone who's been right where we are, walking with us, giving us the hope that we're struggling to find. And I would be deeply honored to be that person. To find out more, like the specific content of the seven-module course and other things about it, go to gpshope.org slash WTS course. That's When Tragedy Strikes, WTS course. You can also find the link there that will take you to the page to enroll as a student. So now let's go ahead and get to this week's birthday segment. First, we have Christian Fafness. And he has a birthday on March 4th and is forever 20 years old. We have Ava Jenkins. Her birthday is on March 6th and Ava is forever 2 years old. And then we have Jonathan Van Vertigam who has a birthday on March 6th and he is forever 19. We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world and into their lives, and we rejoice with you that they will forever be part of your lives. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced in the birthday segment of this podcast, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays, and there you'll see a form. All you have to do is fill out the information, submit it, and I will add them to our list. And the week of their birthday, I will share your son or your daughter who's no longer here on this earth with our listeners. While the process of grief cannot be hurried, we can learn how to take steps, no matter how small they are, making sure that we can keep moving forward instead of remaining stuck in the pain and the darkness of our horrific loss. I hope that you check out the When Tragedy Strikes Hope and Healing course. It does have a free mini course. So even if you aren't interested in the coaching option, you can still enroll as a student and get some help in moving forward. And as always, I want to remind you to hold on, pain eases, there is hope.